My message today is resurrection life now. Resurrection life for you now and for every person who's watching today. From the story of the resurrection, we find a a historical story, an historical account, but more importantly, we also find present help now, present help now for every situation that we face in life, now for your body, now for your family, now for the mental anguish that you might be experiencing today in your life. Later on in today's service, Pastor Peter will be with us. We'll partake in the Holy Communion, but we'll also have a sacred time of prayer when we lay hands on, the, on your prayer request that you've sent in for today, Resurrection Sunday, when we believe that resurrection life now touches your body, your family, your mind, your finances. We believe that Christ is risen. In fact, the scriptures tell us that if Christ is not risen, then our faith is absolutely and totally worthless, pointless. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. We call this message the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We call it good news. But if Christ is not risen, the good news becomes bad news. You're stuck in your sin. The good news becomes bad news. We are worshiping a dead corpse. The, the witnesses who say that in the scriptures, who say that they saw the resurrected Jesus, they're nothing more than deluded liars if Christ is not risen. The message is nothing more than a fairy tale, but we believe and we preach today that Christ is risen indeed, and his resurrection life is available and present now for you, watching at home, watching online, his resurrection life now. The scriptures indicate that Christ is risen, and historical accounts show that Christ indeed is risen today. Christ rose from the dead. But that's not even the biggest, biggest thing to celebrate because others have been raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he is no longer alive. No, Christ, he rose from the dead and he's alive today and resurrection life is available now for your body, now for your family, now for your life. The scriptures in Acts says that the apostles, they preached the resurrection with power and great grace was present. I believe that right now as I speak and as we pray a little bit later on in the service together and partake in communion, great grace present in your body, present in your mind, present in the situations that you're facing. Christ has become wisdom. Christ has become sanctification. Christ is your peace. Christ is your healing balm. Christ, resurrection life now. Resurrection life now speaks glorious truths to our lives. And the first truth that we look at today is total and utter forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Jesus hanging on the cross. Jesus facing the pain and agony that the cross uh, would mean for his life and meant in those moments. Jesus said in ver uh, chapter 23 of Luke in verse 34, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Forgive them. Such love 
in the middle of pain, middle of agony, he said, forgive them. And when we think of that word, forgive, it's more than a feeling. Yes, you could say, well, forgiveness, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a feeling of forgiveness. It's so much more. It's so much more than just a feeling. When that word forgive, the lit word literally means in Greek to send away or to send away the guilt. It's one thing to not feel guilty. That's great. But forgiveness of Christ, the forgiveness of Jesus, to send away, to send away the guilt. Uh, in other words, for example, let's say, for, let's say that you are charged with a crime, you go to a trial, you stand before a judge and a jury, they give you a verdict. And based on their verdict, let's say they give you a verdict of innocence. You know that verdict of innocence means that you are literally innocent. It doesn't matter what anybody feels, doesn't matter what anybody thinks, if the judge or jury declare you innocent, you are literally, you're innocent. In fact, I asked a trial lawyer recently about a certain case that was ongoing and, I, and, and the verdict had come in and I asked this individual, what do you think? Do you think they're guilty or not guilty? And he said, he said to me, you know, I've been at this too long, Nathan. I, I, I don't think in those terms anymore. I think in terms of the verdict. The verdict means everything. If that individual is deemed innocent, then by that court of law, by that judge, by that jury or that jury, then they are literally innocent. Their record is expunged. Whatever charges that were laid against them, their record is expunged. They are an innocent individual, completely innocent. So when Jesus says, forgive them, he's not talking about just give them a nice feeling. He's saying, no, no, take away the guilt. Give them, a, give them the verdict of innocence. And that's the, message of the, that's the message of resurrection to you today. Christ, he has declared you innocent, fully righteous. In fact, the scripture says that he removes our sins as far as the east is to the west. You can walk east till your legs give out. And you'll never end up going west. Or you could drive your cars west until the gas runs out. And you'll still never end up going east. The scriptures say God removes your sins as far as the east is from the west. In other words, he rem completely removed the guilt and he has given you the, the, the verdict, full verdict, never changing verdict of innocence, of full pardon. And it doesn't matter what others think. And it doesn't matter what you even yourself feel. The verdict is in, and you're innocent. You know, even based, let's say in the natural, I was charged with a crime, but I stand before the judge and jury, and they, they declare me innocent. You know, I may have a hard time, let's say I have a hard time accepting it in, in my own mind, and so as a result, I think, well, I must have this guilty verdict over me somewhere, so I'm not going to be bold. You know, if you, have a, if you have a record, it's hard to apply for a job. It's hard to do certain things in society. And so, you know, because of this, I feel guilty, and I don't, I don't, I'm not bold applying for jobs, and I, it hurts my career. It hurts me. It hurts me as an individual because of based on how I, I feel. Well, that's a wrong feeling because the judge and jury gave me a verdict of not guilty. You know, that's the way many believers are today. They think, oh, God must be mad at me. God must have. No, Jesus, even on the cross, he said, remove as far as the east is from, forgive them, take away the verdict. Give them that verdict of righteousness. Give them that verdict of innocence. The scriptures say, Paul said, he remembers your sins no more. No, my friend, resurrection life now speaks total and utter forgiveness, total and utter innocence. That's how God sees you. 
innocent before him. You know, a big theme and a big word in the New Testament is the word justified. And some people break it down into three syllables, just if I'd, and they say just as if I never sinned. And there's certainly an element of truth in there, absolutely, nothing really wrong with that, just as if I never sinned. But the word justified or justi- justified means so much more. It's not, it, it's, 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 it's so far removed, it's a, you're a new person in Christ. You're fully righteous, fully justified. The word, in fact, there's another word, justification. That word literally means, in Greek, it means the act of pronouncing righteous. It's an acquittal. It's the declaration of innocence. And that's what Christ Jesus has done for you. He's declared you fully innocent. He fully acquitted, declared righteous. This is the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God Almighty came in human flesh, Jesus Christ, to plead out your innocence, to plead out this acquittal. The scriptures say, Jesus, he is our advocate. He is like a defense lawyer. And he's, he came in human flesh to prove once and for all, you are innocent, you are declared righteous. In fact, the scriptures, this is so beautiful. You're going to, Romans chapter 4, watch this. It says, he, Jesus, was delivered because of our wrongdoings, but he was raised because of our justification, because of our acquittal, because of our righteousness. He was raised because of. Because of indicates it's already done. Jesus didn't rise from the dead to make us righteous. He rose from the dead because it had already been done, already been accomplished, and he rose because of our justification. He rose, so you could say, his resurrection is proof of acquittal. His resurrection is proof of righteousness. His resurrection is proof that God Almighty says you are innocent. Walk boldly in that understanding. Walk boldly in that acquittal. His resurrection is proof. You know, if you've ever been shopping, we don't do a lot of that in this lockdown days, but if you've ever been shopping and you go to the cash register, you pay for the product, let's say the cashier forgets to take off that little, you know, that little security tag or whatever they put on there, and you walk to the door and the buzzers start going off, security guards coming. You know, if you, you don't need to freak out, do you? All you do is you calmly just pull out your receipt and show the security guard and say, so, no, 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 I already paid for that. I got proof of purchase. You know, in the same way, the enemy of our soul, his name is Satan. His name literally means accuser, accuser of the, of the brethren. You know, and through, sometimes in life we go through life and, you know, we don't feel. We don't feel like, well, I'm righteous or I'm innocent. I'm, you know, I'm fully justified by God. We don't feel that way. You know, that's the accuser of the brethren. He comes and tries to, you know, set off these false alarm bells. What we must do, what we must do is get good at pulling out proof of acquittal or proof of purchase, if you will. In other words, start declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he was resurrected is proof. That's all the proof I need that I have been justified, acquitted, made righteous, fully innocent, total forgiveness. That's why when this, the apostles had said in Acts, I quoted it earlier, but when the apostles, they preached the resurrection with power and great grace was present because the resurrection, it is all the proof we need. It gives us the boldness to rise up in power, to rise up in character. I heard one of our church members here at Celebration Church last week in the lobby on camera said, you know, I joined this church because I used to go to church and the preacher would just, it felt like every Sunday I was getting a six-inch nail driven into my head. All the guilt and condemnation. I wanted to live for the Lord, but he kept saying I was a sinner, I was a sinner, I was a sinner. He said, now I come to Celebration Church and I've been set free by this glorious liberty of grace. 
he said, and now I know I can rise up and live a victorious life. I can live the overcoming life. My friend, we're talking total forgiveness. Resurrection life now. Speaks number two, never forsaken. Never forsaken. Jesus prayed on his way, not at the cross, but before the cross. He had a prayer, and he said, I pray that they would all be one, just as, just as you, Father, and, and are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. He's speaking of a oneness. Jesus says, he, he acknowledges Jesus. Jesus says, Father, we're, we're one. There's a oneness. He's speaking of the Trinity. He's speaking of a circle of love that the Father, Son, and Spirit exists within. And, and Jesus is saying, my prayer is that, that they, meaning us, people, we are in that same onement, in that same circle of love. There's a major theme of the New Testament. It's called, or word, it's called atonement. And that word as well, let's break it into three syllables, but I like this breakdown, at one meant. And we could change that third, third syllable with a different preposition, with. And we see at one with, at one with. In fact, in Old English, they used to use this word atonement to mean a oneness or a reconciliation to, that brings a, a oneness, a oneness. You see, that was Jesus' purpose in death and resurrection to make us, us, people, humanity, at one with God. To bring it in him, in Christ Jesus, to bring us back into that circle of love. That explains sin. The word sin in Greek is hamashia, which means to miss the mark. Speaking in terms of, say, archery, an archer shoots at a mark. It shoots at a, a bullseye. That's the mark. Well, what was the mark? You could, what was the mark that God created us to live or to aim for? The mark for humanity was to live inside that circle of love, in fellowship or in oneness with the Father, Son, and Spirit. We see that in, in Genesis or in, in, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve in oneness with God. But they missed the mark. Poison entered into the garden. They left that circle of love. They left that and they, you could say they, the, the poison of sin entered humanity. But the poison of sin, it speaks of broken relationship, broken oneness, broken fellowship outside that, that circle. And, 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 and the, the broken fellowship produces evil. It produces all kinds of negative behavior. But the real problem isn't the evil. Listen, I hate evil just as much as anybody. I don't want to live an evil, evil life. I don't want you to. But we've got to understand the real problem. The real problem, the poison of sin, was broken relationship. Evil being the result or the, the, the byproduct. And it's so important, outside the circle of love, outside of that oneness that Jesus came to bring us into, the circle of love with the Father, Son, and Spirit living outside that circle, we miss the mark. We, we live in sin, you could say. And as a result, as a result, we live broken lives. We live broken lives. We hurt others. We, we hurt ourselves. But when restored into that circle of love, there is a, there's new life. There's new character. We take on a new type of living. But understand this. You see, even Paul in the, in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is such a beautiful book. You know, Paul mentions sin 48 times in the book of Romans. But can I tell you, 47 out of 48. 47 out of 48. You following me? 47 times. In other words, almost all. Paul uses the word sin, harmashia, as a noun, not a verb. You see, if I was to ask you today, have you done any sin? And, I, and I'm not pointing a finger at you, but so often we think in terms of a verb, sin being a verb. In other words, a verb is, I, you know, I murdered somebody, I lied, or I steal. Those are verbs. And those are certainly sins. Those are wrong actions. Those are evil. You understand what I'm saying? And so 
But Paul's emphasis, 47 out of 48 times, he uses the word sin as a noun, a person, place, or thing. For example, I am a Canadian. <coughs> that is a noun. I'm not being a Canadian. I just am a Canadian. That is a noun. A verb means I do something to act like a Canadian. That's a verb. But when Paul uses the word sin in Romans, 47 out of 42, a noun. Why? Because sin at its core, harmashia, to miss the mark, is a state of being outside the circle of love. Mankind left that circle, God came to restore us back into it. That's why John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't take away, obviously, all evil behavior. We see that all around us. He is speaking of harmashia. He's speaking of missing the mark, living outside that circle. And Jesus Christ came so that all humanity could be. In fact, the scripture says that in Christ, the world was reconciled back unto him. Jesus came to do away with this broken circle, this harmashia, this missing the mark. And now in Christ, we're brought into that circle. Oh, this is beautiful. I, this is so beautiful. No wonder great grace was there when the, the apostles preached the resurrection with power. And great grace is, avail, is here now with you today. Get ready to receive. Nicodemus in the scriptures talking to Jesus. He asked Jesus, what must a man be to do to be born again? And Jesus responds with the most curious answer. He actually talks about a story in the Old Testament, serpents and, and poison. Look what he says. I'll pick up a part of it in John 3. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. Nicodemus, a religious leader, asks Jesus, what must I do to be born again? And Jesus tells him this story of a serpent in the wilderness and said, this is what you must do. <laughs> but wait a second. And he goes on and says, believe. But he tells this story. What's the story referring to? He's referring to a time when the Hebrew people were being bitten by poisonous snakes. They were being bitten by poisonous snakes, and God told, God told them to take a bronze serpent, an image of those poisonous snakes, and make it a bronze one, and put it on a pole. And they were told that when they looked at that pole, they would live, or they would be, they'd be healed. Now you could say, well, why, the poison, why, why were they told to put the poisonous serpent on the pole? That was the object of their pain. That was the object, that was their problem. The, po the, the poison that was killing them was represented in this snake. Why put the snake on the pole? Why not put the Ark of the Covenant? I mean, the Ark was a picture of God, a picture of Jesus. That would have been, you'd think, maybe, that. why not put the Ark? And look at the Ark and they'd be healed. But no, the poisonous snake was put to the pole and they were healed. And then Jesus says, oh, and by the, that's what it's like to be born again. In other words, watch this. This snake was a picture of Jesus on the cross. Remember, the, what, was, what is the poison we're speaking of? The poison is the poison of sin, of broken relationship. You see, Jesus on the cross, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, that he was made, he who knew no sin, he knew no harmashia, he knew no missing the mark, he knew no broken relationship, he was made to be, or he identified with us in our sin, in our harmashia, in our missing the mark, in our broken circle of love. He did it on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
And so, in other words, in Christ we see the poison of sin, the poison of harmashia being put on or being identified in, in the body of Christ, in Christ on the cross. But like that serpent, like that bronze serpent on the pole, we now look to Jesus and we see the poison being rendered powerless. We see that broken relationship being obliterated in the body of Christ because while the poison came into humanity, Adam and Eve, and destroyed them, when the poison touched the body of Jesus, it could not destroy him, but his blood destroyed the poison. And now we look to him today recognizing there is no broken relationship. There is no wall of separation, but there has been a, there's been peace made between us and God. We were hostile toward him in our minds, but he has brought us back into that circle of love. He's restored us, and the poison, the poison of sin has no more power over us today. It's so beautiful. I know you're rejoicing at home. Do you know even in the natural poison or venom, of, if you've been bitten by a, by a poisonous snake, they give you an antibody or an antidote to, to, so that you don't die. Do you know where that antibody or antidote comes from? They take the venom out of the animal out of the poisonous animal, and they actually inject it into a, a domesticated or healthy animal, say a sheep, for example. They inject the venom, a small amount of that venom, into the, sh the blood of that sheep, and then they withdraw out, and then once the venom is in the blood of the sheep, there, certain antibodies are created, and then they withdraw those antibodies out, and they use it as a healing formula into our, our human bodies. And in fact, they found that the more pure the blood of the sheep is, the better the antibodies that are created in, in those sheep. My friend, this is a picture of Christ. John the Baptist said, behold, the pure, spotless Lamb of God with the purest of all bloods, the venom, the poison of sin, it, it came in contact with his blood, but his blood overcame the poison. And today we have the antibody, we have the antidote in Christ Jesus. We have net this promise that we will never be forsaken. Oh, my friend, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I know individuals we're receiving right now. Oh, there's so much we could say on this topic. But I tell you, you'll never be forsaken. We live in a, a year of lockdown, a year of isolation, of separation, and, uh, uh, when people are alone. And, and a human, in the human speaking, abandonment is one of the greatest fears that human, humans, humans face. My friend, in Christ Jesus, never forsaken. You're one in the circle of love, the Father, Son, and Spirit. You say, but Nathan, I don't always feel it. Well, there is certain that we are, our awareness levels can alter. That's why Paul said, I pray your eyes, your understanding would be open. But my friend, we must never doubt the reality and the truth based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, if, if he is not risen, your faith is useless, but he is risen. And because he is risen, we understand total forgiveness, total justification, and we are never forsaken atonement at one with him in that circle of love, my friend. You might feel like you're distant. You might feel like he, but he hasn't left you. He's as close as the breath within your lungs. And I encourage you in these moments on Resurrection Sunday, say, Jesus, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your love. Let him flood over you. Let his spirit of comfort, let that healing balm touch you now. The apostles, they gave powerful witness to the resurrection and great grace, great supply, great provision, great healing was present. It's present right now. Last point, resurrection life now speaks constant care. Constant care for your person for your situation, for your family, constant care. You know that when Jesus on the cross, 
So many beautiful examples of Jesus Christ on the cross. But there he was on the cross dying. There he was on the cross in agony and pain. His back had been ripped apart on his way to the cross. But there on the cross, Jesus, looking at his mother, he says in John chapter 19, he looks at his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, and he said to the woman, woman, behold your son. Verse 27, he said, Behold your mother. He said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. So what's all that all about? He's basically saying, I don't want my mother in the natural to be left on her own. I don't want her to be without resources. So he tells them, take care of her. Take care of her. I mean, think of that. Jesus on the cross. Here he is saving humanity. Here he is saving the world in great pain and great agony. And yet here he has the time, the wherewithal, and the compassion to think of the needs, even the physical needs of those around him. It speaks of Jesus. Even in his earthly ministry, you see he has this great ministry. People pulling on him every side. He's walking down streets. So many things on the go. He's got a big team to take care of. And yet he always had time for the one, for the one, for the blind beggar, for the forgotten mother, for for the social outcast. He always had time for the one. And here it is, Resurrection Sunday, where maybe you're watching isolated alone. You think God's got bigger things to worry about than me. No, his resurrection speaks constant care for you today, even the physical needs that you're facing, be it financial, emotional. Jesus cared even for the physical needs of his mother as he hung on the cross, but that speaks to you today, you and I today. See, final verse, Scripture says, Romans chapter 5, if when we were enemies in our own minds, if we were then reconciled to God through the death of His Son, how much more? How much more? I wish you could, I could hear you say, but say, how much more? I mean, He saved you even when, we were, when you were setting yourself up to be His enemy. How much more than having been reconciled shall we be saved? That word saved means body, soul, and spirit. Healing for your body, peace for your mind, and salvation for your soul. But we shall be saved by his life. We're talking resurrection life now. Jesus is alive today. Yes, it was great. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he's no longer living. Christ Jesus lives today, and his life is available to you now. Body, soul, and spirit. His resurrection speaks constant care for our lives today. The scripture says he is our high priest who empathizes and sympathizes with our every need because he was likewise tempted. You say, nobody knows what the pain I'm going through, Nathan. Your high priest, Jesus, does. He's alive today. Resurrection life now is present. I've said it about six times now, but the apostles, they preached the resurrection with power and great grace. I'm believing great grace is present with you right now. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to lay hands on all the prayer requests that you've sent in in just a moment's time. But can I tell you, I, spent, I mentioned just a moment ago Nicodemus, and he asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Nick, Jesus referred to the story of the serpent on the pole and how the poison being rendered useless, and then he says, simply believe. And the promise is just as true now as it was then, but to those who believe, they receive this new spiritual life, this new spiritual understanding, and we live in his life. Can I invite you today? I can't think of any better day than Resurrection Sunday to believe on him and to receive this new spiritual life. Jesus has already forgiven you. He was raised because of your justification or your forgiveness. Already done. 